0: Blog talk Radio And now here's your host, William Powell, the King of DC Media. Welcome everyone. Today my guest is film historian Walter Frith from Hamilton, Ontario, who will talk about his twenty seventeen Academy Award picks. That ceremony will be held Sunday, February 26th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, Walter has written for several online publications and has been a broadcaster since 1985. He studied broadcasting at Mohawk College and has also done voiceover work. I see he's on the line. Let me go ahead and bring him right on in. Hello, Walter.
1: Uh, Good afternoon, William. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm fantastic, fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you once again for having me on.
0: Yes, yes. So I know that you have a long history watching the Oscars. Talk about that.
1: Well, the first year I started following the Oscars in detail was 1981. That was the year Chariots of Fire won the Best Picture Award over such heavyweight favorites as Reds, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Atlantic City, and on Golden Pond. Now, we hadn't quite bought our first VCR yet. My uncle taped the show for us, and uh, I kept it in my archives. We bought our first VCR the next year, and the first time I started recording the Oscars was the year that Gandhi won eight Oscars in 1982. And uh, ever since that time, right from 1981 to the present last year, when Spotlight won the Best Picture Award, I have every single award show recorded, and I enjoy going back. And looking at the archival footage once in a while and reliving some old memories, especially with a lot of the uh, entertainment celebrities who are no longer with us. So uh, it, is, it is fun to look back on in retrospect.
0: Oh, so amazing, amazing. We talking about Gandhi. I saw that again last summer. Um, and my dad sit, sat down and uh, watched it, and it was just amazing. There's just so many amazing films over the years. So what I want to do is just uh, jump right into uh, the first category you want to talk about today.
1: Well, the first category I'd like to talk about, William, it's actually uh, a dual category, is the writing awards. Now, as we know, when you make a movie, you have nothing without your screenplay. Your screenplay is the blueprint for the entire project, and once you get your screenplay done, you've got about 50% of the work of a film completed. Now, I'd like to start in the category of Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, we have Arrival, uh, Eric Heisner, Fences, August Wilson, Hidden Figures, Alison Schroeder and Theodore Melfi, Lion, Luke Davies, and Moonlight, Barry Jenkins, and Terrell Alvin McCraney. Now, these five films are very competitive this year. We have Moonlight making a serious run for Best Picture. And um, we also have August Wilson's screenplay, To Fences, which has been sitting around for years, and Denzel Washington finally decided to step in and direct the film. Now, I saw Denzel on a roundtable discussion this week. He was sitting there with fellow nominees Barry Jenkins, Mel Gibson, and uh, Damien Chazelle. And he was talking about yeah. how he kept about 95% of the screenplay intact, and he only added a few of his own words. But the script was so good that he decided not to mess with it too much. And uh, my pick this year for adapted screenplay would have to be Moonlight. I think Moonlight is probably the most perfect film of 2016 in terms of the way it breaks down in its acts. A film is three acts, and uh, Moonlight is the story of a young man growing up in a troubled area of Miami in the present day, and we see him in childhood, in his adolescent years, and we see him in his young adult years. And the best thing about the film is how it deals with reconciliation. And uh, that film had everything, I thought. And I'm taking uh, that film to win the Adapted Screenplay Award. Now, in the original screenplay category, we have Hell or High Water, written by Taylor Sheridan. La La Land, yeah. written by Damien Chazelle. The Lobster, yeah. written by Yorgos Lanathmos and Efes Filippo. Manchester by the Sea written by Kenneth Lonergan, and 20th Century Women, written by Mike Mills. This is a good crop of writers. Um, I wasn't too familiar with Taylor Sheridan, but Hell or High Water has this, uh, this wonderful way of encompassing the slow burn in a film. starts off kind of slow, takes its time to get going, but uh, the climax is very fierce and very well done, uh, right until we get down to the final resolution of the film. Now, La La Land, to me, there isn't much to that film as far as the writing is concerned. Um, and I'll talk more about La La Land as we get into the other categories. It basically yeah. has two leads that are entertaining, but we don't learn a lot about the leads. The film doesn't have very good supporting characters, and the film is more yeah. about choreography. It's more about musical numbers. It's not really that, that adept at, at showing us anything in depth as far as writing, good writing yeah. is concerned. It's more a director's film and an actor's film and a performer's film, exactly. Um, Now, for people who have not seen the film The Lobster, this was an ingenious film with Colin Farrell. It was set in a future world where the state has been taken over by totalitarianism, and everybody must find a mate. If you don't find a mate, the state has the power to turn you into the animal of your choice. I know it sounds bizarre, Mm. but it was a very well-done film. And uh, it, it's, it's kind of a science fiction, drama, love story. It was very original. Um, 20th Century Women was written by Mike Mills, who did the film in 2011 called Beginners, for which Christopher Plummer won his Best Supporting Actor Oscar for. And um, Manchester by the Sea is Kenneth Lonegren, who made a film called You Can Count on Me with uh, Mark Ruffalo and Laura Linney a few years ago, which got some really good notice uh, from the critics. Of all these films, I have to take Manchester by the Sea. I think Manchester by the Sea has got good characters. It's, it's a very well-written film in depth, and it's about ordinary people, something that we can all relate to. Uh, the film is a little bit long, but um, overall, though, it's very satisfying, and the best way to describe this film would be it's a very absorbing picture. So I'm taking um, Moonlight to win the Adapted Screenplay Award and Manchester by the Sea to win the Original Screenplay Award.
0: All right, all right. Fantastic. So do we want to switch over to some of the acting categories?
1: Sure. Well, the acting categories are very interesting this year because we have a good mix of people who have been nominated before in supporting categories, and now they've moved up to the lead categories. Uh, We also have veterans who have been around for 40, 50 years, and we have some first-time nominees. So let's start in the category of Best Actress in a Supporting Role. Um, In this category... We have Viola Davis in Fences, we have Naomi Harris in Moonlight, Nicole Kidman in Lion, Octavia Spencer in Hidden Figures, and Michelle Williams in Manchester by the Sea. Now, the previous winners in this category are Octavia Spencer. She won Best Supporting Actress back in 2011 for The Help, and Nicole Kidman won Best Actress back in 2002 for playing uh, noted writer Virginia Woolf in The Hours. Uh, So now Nicole Kidman finds herself in the supporting actress category. Um, This one here is really, this is the only category, William, where I'm calling a lock on the winner. Uh, Viola Davis is going to win in this category uh, for Fences. I'd be very, very surprised if anybody else won. Uh, She gives a tremendous performance. The whole point of a supporting role is you're supporting another performance in the film. And as Denzel Washington's wife in Fences, uh, she really comes across, As sympathetic and heartfelt and real and that's one of the best characters of the year and Viola Davis um, has been overlooked before for the help in 2011 and for doubt back in 2008 so she's been around now for quite a while and I think her time has come uh, to win and I think she will win tomorrow for fences she's won basically every award so far on the circuit and I think she will win this time
0: all right, what other uh, acting categories do you have there?
1: Well, we have, we have three more. Uh, we have Best Actor in a Supporting Role. We have Mar- Mahershala Ali in Moonlight. We have Jeff Bridges in Hell or High Water. We have Lucas Hedges in Manchester by the Sea. Uh, Dev Patel in Lion. And we have Michael Shannon in Nocturnal Animals. Now, as we go down the list here, Jeff Bridges has been around since 1971 at the Oscars. He got his first nomination in 1971 for The Last Picture Show, and this is his seventh nomination over the last uh, 45 years. Uh, He won back in 2009 for Crazy Heart uh, for Best Actor. Now, Michael Shannon, this is his second nomination. He was nominated in 2008 for Revolutionary Road, and now he's up for Nocturnal Animals. Dev Patel, you may remember him, He was the protagonist. Uh, He was the lead in uh, Slumdog Millionaire, going back to 2008, which won the Best Picture Award. Uh, Lucas Hedges, this is his first-time nomination for Manchester by the Sea, and Mahershala Ali, who is the favorite uh, for Moonlight. Now, Dev Patel, he won the British Academy Award a couple of weeks ago for Best Supporting Actor, and that put him uh, at number two among the odds makers. Jeff Bridges had been number two previously. He dropped to third place among all of the online... Uh, odds makers. Um, the number one person who is in the top spot is Mahershala Ali for Moonlight. He did win the Screen Actors Guild Award, uh, which is a pretty good indicator about who is going to win the Oscar. So I have him picked. Um, the thing about his performance in Moonlight is that while the entire film, as I previously mentioned, is extremely well done, he's really only in the first half of the film. So when the second half of the film rolls around, it's still very well done but his absence is felt. And uh, without him in the film in the second half, you feel something. So he really does propel the film in that first half and sends it on its way for its conclusion. And uh, he's very, very good in the film.
0: Excellent, excellent.
1: All right, what's the next category? Well, we have Best Actress in a Leading Role, and the nominees are Isabel Huppert in Elle, uh, Ruth Nega in Loving, Natalie Portman in Jackie, Emma Stone in La La Land, and Meryl Streep in Florence Foster Jenkins, who is enjoying her 20th Oscar nomination. She was first nominated Mm. in 1978 for The Deer Hunter. Twenty nominations. I don't think anybody else has ever been nominated that many times. Well, she's won three times. She won Supporting Actress in 1979 for Kramer vs. Kramer, Best Actress in 1982 for Sophie's Choice, and uh, Best Actress again in 2011 for The Iron Lady. So Meryl Streep has uh, continued to work, and she's done just about every accent in the world you can imagine. She's done music, she's done comedy, she's done romance, she's done drama, she's done it all. So uh, she is the veteran in this category, no doubt. Now, we have Emma Stone, who also won the Screen Actors Guild Award for La La Land. She's very good in this movie. Um, she's running neck and neck with Natalie Portman for Jackie among the odds makers. You know, I loved Ruth Nega's performance in Loving, but Joel Edgerton, who was also in that film, he didn't get nominated. So it seems, it seems kind of strange not to have him nominated, but to have her nominated. She totally deserved it. She totally deserved to be nominated. But I hate when they leave somebody out who was just as important in a film, whether it's a supporting player or a fellow lead actor and they don't get nominated. So I don't think she has much of a chance to win, unfortunately. Um, I really liked Isabelle Hupert in Elle. Now, this story is set in France in the modern day, and it's all about a rape victim. And she has to deal with her narcissistic mother and her father, who was a serial killer, who has served the last 40 years in prison. Um, She's very wealthy. She runs um, a video game company, and she has an estranged son who is about to become a father. The film has so much depth, and she has to display so much emotion in the film. Now, she did win the Golden Globe Award for Best Actress in a Drama, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, the last time an actress won a foreign language film Oscar for Best Actress was uh, Marion Cotillard back in 2007 for La Vie en Rose. But um, because I was mentioning earlier that Emma Stone and Natalie Portman have been running neck and neck, I think they could split the vote, and I think Isabel Hupert is going to win for Elle, and she is my pick for the award this year.
0: Yeah, that, that's interesting you say that. I mean, it's, it's just, that list, looking at that list, it's just an amazing group of talent there. Everybody from Meryl Streep to Natalie Portman, it's just like – I mean they they probably all deserve it but it's that's just uh almost overwhelming. Okay, so let's talk about actor and a leading role.
1: So sure. uh
0: talk about that.
1: Yep, we have uh Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea. Now, he's enjoying his second Oscar nomination. He was nominated back in 2007, uh 9 years ago for um the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Um he was nominated for Supporting Actor for that. He's Ben Affleck's brother, as we all know. He gave a very good performance the same year uh, in Gone Baby Gone. Um, and this is his first nomination, though, in the Best Actor category. Um, we also have uh, Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge. Andrew Garfield, as many people remember, uh, played Eduardo Saverin in The Social Network, uh, who was um, Mark yep. Zuckerberg's adversary. He was very good in that film. I yep. thought he should have been nominated for Supporting Actor in that. And um, I've seen Hacksaw Ridge twice now, and he's playing a real-life character named Desmond Doss, who was a medic in World War II. He refused to pick up a rifle. He was a conscientious objector, and he thought he could serve by saving lives as a medic. And he was the first, and I believe the only person ever to win the Congressional Medal of Honor um, who who did not fight in combat, and he's very good in that. Uh, We have Ryan Gosling in La La Land. Now, Ryan Gosling's performance in La La Land is, is good, but uh, this is his second nomination. He was nominated back in 2006 for Half Nelson. Uh, that was an independent film. He played a drug-addicted teacher who was called out by one of his students on his drug addiction. Very good. And when Ryan Gosling was nominated back in 2006, he became the first Canadian to be nominated for Best Actor in over 60 years. I think it was 64 mm. years. And Walter Pidgeon was nominated in 1942 for Mrs. Miniver. But you look at all the great Canadian actors, you know, my home country, actors like Gordon Pinsent and Christopher Plummer and Donald Sutherland, and the list goes on and on. And Ryan Gosling became the first actor in over six decades to get nominated. Uh, we have Vigo Mortensen in Captain Fantastic. Now, this is a picture that not a lot of people have heard about. Uh, Vigo Mortensen plays a father. He is basically a hippie in the film, and he plays the film very well. Plays the, part, plays the part very well in the film. He's teaching his kids. He has about seven or eight kids. He's teaching them all to live off the grid no technology, no phone, no TV, no movies. They live in the woods. They live in a commune. He teaches his kids how to survive, and they're all homeschooled. Um, now, their mother is dying, and uh, what happens in the film is they have to reconcile with their mother's death. Viggo Mortensen has to reconcile with his wife's death, and he's at odds with her family over how to handle the funeral. And the film is very well done. Viggo Mortensen previously enjoyed a nomination back in 2007 for David Cronenberg's film Eastern Promises. So this is his second nomination, and he should have been nominated in 2005 uh, for a movie called A History of Violence, which was also done by David Cronenberg. And uh, it was all about a man whose hidden identity comes to light and he has to deal with his past. And then we have Denzel Washington in Fences. Now, early in the Oscar race this year, uh, Casey Affleck was topping all of the odds makers' lists with uh, Manchester by the Sea. But Denzel Washington surprised everyone by winning the Screen Actors Guild Award, and he is basically tied now with Casey Affleck um, as the favorite to win. I'm actually taking Denzel Washington to win because I think he had to not only act in the film but he also had to direct himself, and that's very, very difficult. There's only one other person in history who has directed himself to an Oscar, and that was Laurence Olivier back in 1948 uh, for Hamlet. Um, Throughout the many years, we've had Charlie Chaplin direct himself, but he never did win. Uh, We've had people like um, Warren Beatty, direct himself, Clint Eastwood, direct himself in a movie. They never won acting Oscars, but they did win for their directing. Denzel, unfortunately, wasn't nominated for Best Director, but I think because this was such a monumental task of acting and directing, I think he's going to win the Best Actor Award, and he is my pick. So I'm choosing Denzel Washington in Fences, Isabel Hupert in L, Mahershala Ali in Moonlight, and Viola Davis in Fences to be this year's winners in the acting categories.
0: Now, I want to back up a little bit now. I saw the, the jewel case uh, my local library for Captain Fantastic. It looked like a fantastic uh, independent film, but I had no idea that uh, until recently there was actually an uh, Oscar-nominated performance in there. What, what's your take on why – some films get nominated and others don't. Is that, is that uh, like, like an insider kind of thing, or is it publicity? Or, or what's the story behind that?
1: I think what you have in the Academy, uh, William, are people that have honed their craft for 30, 40, 50 years. They never forget what it's like to get started. A lot of them start with low-budget films, independent films, and they move up. So they never forget where they came from. And I think a lot of them, just in their heart, they know that film is about art over commerciality. And I think they remember these films, and they have a good grasp on it. Because don't forget, the people that nominate in these categories are peers. Actors vote for actors, yeah. directors vote for directors, and so on. So I think they have an appreciation for um, what really good films are, the basic root, the fundamentals of film. Now, once in a while, you'll get a film that is very highly commercial. It will do well. It will make $200 million, $300 million. But what has been lacking at the Academy Awards over the years are the superhero films the commercial films now in two thousand sixteen we had deadpool deadpool was very well done i thought deadpool was a shoe in for a writing nomination it got the uh, writers guild of america nomination for um, i think it was adapted screenplay and it didn't get the oscar nomination a lot of critics looked at it as a very different kind of superhero film it was visceral it got an r-rating it was full of humor and it was not too long. It was, it was a very, very well-done film, but it just didn't seem to fit into the Academy Awards. Now, you know, William, um, you asked me, I, your original question is why some films get nominated and others don't. In 2008, The Dark Knight received eight nominations, and it won two for Heath Ledger for Supporting Actor, and it won for Sound Effects Editing. But it did not receive a nomination for Picture, Director, and Screenplay. And the Academy took a lot of heat for that one, so in 2009, they expanded the five Best Picture nominees to ten films, hoping that some other films would work their way in there. But a superhero film never really has done very well, and neither have action films or fantasy films in general. Uh, The only fantasy film in history to win the Best Picture Oscar was Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King back in 2003, but that was based on classic literature that everyone knew about. Yeah. Uh, Lord of the Rings was first published back in 1955. So it had a long track record of um, you know, entertaining audiences, and everyone could relate to it. But you look at all the fantasy films over the years, like Star Wars, uh, Close Encounters, uh, Planet of the Apes, and all your great science fiction fantasy films. Even 2001, A Space Odyssey, a film which is considered probably one of the top 20 films of all time today, never received a Best yeah. Picture nomination back in 1968, and some people still find that hard to believe.
0: Mm, yeah, they have a have a tough go.
1: Okay, so let's move on
0: to directing. What are your picks there?
1: Well, in the best category for directing, um, we have Arrival, uh, Denise Villeneuve. Uh, we have Hacksaw Ridge, Mel Gibson, La La Land, Damien Chazelle, Manchester by the Sea, Kenneth Lonegren, and Moonlight, Barry Jenkins. Now, this is a very good group. Um, We have Damien Chazelle, and we have uh, Denise Villeneuve, Kenneth Lonergan, and Barry Jenkins, all as first-time nominees in this category. Uh, The only veteran in this category is Mel Gibson, who won back in 1995 for Braveheart, and he also took a second Oscar that year as producer of the Best Pitcher, Braveheart, as well. Now, Damien Chazelle... This is where I want to get into talking about La La Land. There is a La La Land backlash out there. Uh, It's on the Internet. It's on (laughs) social media. It's within the Academy. Now, William, this film has 14 nominations. This is a title record set by All About Eve in 1950 and Titanic in 1997. This is the third film in history to receive 14 nominations. Now, look, La La Land is very well done. The last musical to win Best Picture was Chicago in 2002. Not a great choice when you consider films like The Hours, uh, The Pianist, and we had Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and Gangs of New York that year. Uh, Chicago has been seen over the last 15 years since it won as one of the weaker choices uh, for Best Picture. But the choreography in it is stunning. The dance numbers are very well done. It looks like something straight out of the 50s and 60s. It's a high-caliber musical. La La Land is not a high-caliber musical. The performances in the film are weak. There are no supporting characters. It's basically soft shoe dancing, very light on the instruments. The film has got an excellent pace. The film has got a good love story. Um, The film has got fantastic camera work, great editing. But to me, La La Land is style over substance and i i have to be part of the la la land backlash damien chazelle's whiplash from two years ago with miles teller and jk simmons who won the best supporting actor oscar as the abusive but caring music teacher uh, is a much better film than la la land and uh... whiplash won three big oscars but uh... i don't know if la la land wins five or six i would be surprised it's probably going to win best picture but uh... I think Damien Chazelle is going to win in this category. I'm taking him. But if I had a vote in this category, I would vote for Mel Gibson for Hacksaw Ridge. What he did with that film, the way he showed uh, the protagonist in the film, Desmond Doss, played by Andrew Garfield, he shows him in childhood, he shows him in his young years, he shows him in boot camp, in training, in the war, and after the war. The film is a perfectly structured piece of true-to-life filmmaking, about a real event, and it touches on it in depth very, very much. Um, Now, Arrival, um, Denise Villeneuve has made a couple of other films. Um, He's made Sicario, and he is working right now on the sequel to Blade Runner. And he is the new king of sci-fi in Hollywood. A a good friend of mine wants me to mention how good Arrival is, and it is a very well-done film. It's a thinking man's science fiction film. Uh, Manchester by the Sea is is a very absorbing film, but it's better written. If you recall, I picked it to win the Screenplay Award, but I don't think it's going to win in the directing category. Um, Now, Barry Jenkins directed Moonlight, and that is a very well-structured film, but again, I think that film is better written than it is directed. I think Hacksaw Ridge has all the fundamentals for directing. It's my choice, but I'm taking Damien Chazelle for La La Land.
0: All right, okay, so you brought up a lot of uh, issues here. One thing I wanted to throw out there, do you think Hacksaw Ridge is better than Braveheart?
1: Yes, I do. I think Braveheart was too long. I think Braveheart was very historically inaccurate. Did you know, William, in that film, the kilt is shown, this is about, the film has taken place around the year 1100. The kilt didn't come in until about 1300, 1500. Mel Gibson took a lot of no. heat for that. He took a lot of heat for showing uh, the war paint that he wears in the film is inaccurate. And the film is just too long. And uh, I liked Braveheart, but back in 1995, I was a fan that year of Apollo 13. I thought that film had everything, including much better acting. And that was my choice for Best Picture in 1995. And I do like Hacksaw Ridge much better than Braveheart.
0: Okay, so
1: then you look, you look at a movie like Arrival. Now,
0: I I remember there was a – I recall there was a film, Interstellar, and everybody said this movie was the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's just the greatest science fiction movie, alien story, or whatever it was. But it's like I watched it, and it was like I just – I don't know. I, I, I didn't see where the hype kind of matched what I was seeing on screen. I mean – I mean, what's your take on on Arrival? Is it it really that good?
1: Well, in comparing Arrival to Interstellar, I would have to say that Arrival is a better film. Arrival is shorter. It's under two hours. The problem that Interstellar had is it was much too long and it was much too complex. Now, it was from Christopher Nolan, who's made some great films. He made the Dark Knight trilogy. He's done uh, Memento, Insomnia, The Prestige. He made some really good films. Interstellar was really good. It was one of my top ten films of the year. But that was a very complex film, Um, about time and it was well done but it was just too long for a lot of people to sit through and watch it now arrival also has some perceptions i won't give too much away but it has some perceptions about how how time is seen and how the aliens can teach us things and how we will need each other's help in the future and as i said it's a thinking man's science fiction film it's very well done and i think it has a better balance uh, in appealing to both male and female audiences alike And uh, the protagonist is Amy Adams in the film, and she's a linguistics expert. And uh, she gives a wonderful performance. Unfortunately, to a lot of people's surprise, she wasn't nominated for the film. And a lot of people were very disappointed by that. So that's unfortunate.
0: You know, I'm going to throw this out here. What's your take on these ratings you see out here? I'm looking at Moonlight on IMDb. They're saying that they gave it a 7.9 out of 10. If you go on Rotten Tomatoes, is this thing, you know, so much percent fresh? I mean, what, and then, you know, sometimes I look at at Rotten Tomatoes, I kind of like average the difference, I split the difference and say, okay, well, critics said it's, you know, they give it an eight and, you know, fans give it a nine, so maybe it's 8.5 and all this kind of stuff. I mean, what's your your take on that? I mean, do do you even pay attention to that kind of stuff?
1: I do, actually. And I'll tell you a little story. Back in the late 90s, I was a member of the Online Film Critics Society, and they were associated with Rotten Tomatoes. So I used to be a critic for Rotten Tomatoes. Now, the criteria for being a critic was you, have to, you had to submit 50 film reviews a year. So basically, you had to do at least one a week. So you had to be somebody who was knowledgeable, in the know, could write, could speak well, and who could also formulate you know, your opinion in a very artistic way, that most people are used to reading in the newspapers and so on. Now, the Internet Movie Database is open to the public in general. Um, now, you know, William, it really bothers me when I go on there and I look at films like The Godfather, Chinatown, Apocalypse Now, and if you look at the, at the Internet Movie Database and how a film is given a certain grade out of ten, You can go to a section where it breaks it down. So they have a rating from 1 to 10. You'll see how many people gave it a 10, how many people gave it a 9, and so on and so on and so on. These classic films I just mentioned, like The Godfather and so on, you'd be surprised. There's like 4,000 votes. People give it a 1, a 1 for The Godfather. There's no way you can give a film like The Godfather a 1. Now, I'm not putting down the average person's taste or opinion, whatever. They're entitled to it like the rest of us are. But if you were to leave... Uh, moonlight to the critics and the people that articulate and write and know a lot about film, the, 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 the average review out of 10 would probably be 9 or 9.3 or 9.4 out of 10, rather than 7.9, which is kind of low for the film. you know. So there's a difference between critic and knowledgeable output versus the average person who basically only sees maybe 5 or 10 movies a year. And let's face it, William, anybody can go on the Internet Movie Database and make it up like Wikipedia. You can go on Wikipedia, you can mess up Wikipedia pages, joke around, have some fun, put any information you want in there. It can be inaccurate. The average person can just go to the internet movie database and mess with everybody's head. Just give this film a one, give that film a one, give that film a two, give that film a two. You know what I mean? So they don't really get a wholly accurate picture because anybody can participate and uh, do whatever they want. (laughs) It's more like a like a wide-open Wild West on the Internet Movie Database. You don't get the gauging of the real critical response when you go there.
0: Yeah, you can just go on there and troll.
1: Exactly. uh, That's a very good way. That's a very good way to describe it, go on there and troll. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Exactly. I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes. So like Moonlight has got 98% fresh, but then the audience score is 86%. There you go. So as a fan, I'm looking at it like, okay, is this, you know, you, you know, you think, okay, is this thing really worth a 79% or, you know, you, it kind of makes it wonder, you know?
1: Well, the critics don't always have it right. And I'm one of them. I mean, I've gotten a lot of backlash over the years for some of the things I've written about certain movies. Um, some movies I've, I've liked, other people haven't liked, uh, you know, and so on. So the best way to describe it in the end, William, is that art is subjective. We all have our own view on things. And, uh, What really matters in the end is when you're sitting in your living room by yourself, what do you want to watch? Do you want a straight diet of movies like National Lampoon's Animal House and American Pie and Porky's, or do you want to sit down and watch stuff from Ingmar Bergman, David Lean, Steven Spielberg, and all the great classic filmmakers? It's up to the individual, and the wonderful thing about the world we live in today is that everybody on the Internet, in real life, everybody has a voice, and we can all put forward what we think.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So, uh what other categories did you have besides Best Picture? We're going to save that for
1: last. Well, um we've covered basically all the ones that I'm familiar with, William. Um we've covered the adapted screenplay, original screenplay, directing, and the four acting categories. All I have left really here is the Best Picture nominees. Okay. Go. Shoot. Well, for Best Picture this year, We have Arrival, we have Fences, we have Hacksaw Ridge, we have Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. Now, since 2010, if you count 2010, there have been six shows up to 2015. Three of those, the Best Pitcher and the Best Director, have matched – Uh, Those films were The King's Speech and uh, The Artist and Birdman. Where we have seen a split in the Best Picture and the Best Director has been with Argo in 2012. Argo won Best Picture, but Ang Lee won Best Director for Life of Pi. Uh, 2013, uh, 12 Years a Slave won Best Picture, but Alfonso Curion won Best Director for Gravity, and uh, last year we had uh, Spotlight win uh, the Best Picture award, and um, for Best Director we had uh, Alejandro Inarritu for The Revenant. So we've had it's three and three so far, and uh, this year I'm going to take the awards to match up. I'm taking La La Land for Best Picture, even though I'm part of the La La Land backlash. I have to look at the domination of the film throughout award season. The film is the, it set a record, actually. It won the highest number of Golden Globe Awards. It won seven. No other film in history has won that many Golden Globe Awards. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association are the ones who run the Golden Globe Awards. Previously, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Midnight Express both won six. And La La Land broke the record all time and won seven. And as I mentioned earlier, the film has tied two other films in Academy history, Titanic and All About Eve, with 14 nominations so i have to give la la land my pick for best picture however if i had a ballot i would probably vote for either hawksaw ridge or moonlight i think those films demonstrate a higher quality a higher caliber of filmmaking in both accuracy for a real life event and for touching on our emotions and film is the most emotional medium and that's what it's really all about so that's um that's pretty much it
0: Fantastic, man! I'm all excited about the Oscars tomorrow. okay, you know what I'm gonna throw a a a bonus question out there before I let you go uh, sure, and then we'll we'll talk about how people can find you online um but Casablanca, I saw a news item today about uh, Casablanca, and everybody's saying that's like some people say say it's uh it's either uh what was it uh Casablanca or the one directed by uh, Orson Welles? Oh, Citizen Kane. Uh, Jonah yeah, Citizen Kane. Those yep. two? yeah, and it's like, but what is it about Casablanca that uh, that makes it so relevant in, in this standard test of time?
1: The thing about Casablanca, William, is that it has more quotable lines and more lines that we remember uh, than any film before it. Um, it's kind of like, you know how you have The Godfather, you have so many quotable lines in that, make him an offer he can't refuse, um, you know, so on and so on, things like that. Well, Casablanca has the line, the famous line, here's looking at you, kid. And there are so many more quotable lines in that film. Steven Spielberg had the best take on Casablanca. The American Film Institute top 100 films of all time in 1998. Casablanca finished number two all time and Citizen Kane was number one. Now, when they talked about Casablanca in depth, uh, that film was directed by Michael Curtiz, um, who was known for such films as The Adventures of Robin Hood and a couple of other swashbuckling films from Earl Flynn. Steven Spielberg said about Casablanca, the film is perfect. It knows when to start a scene. It knows when to finish a scene. It knows to get in just when something is getting interesting, and it knows when to get out. And, of course, it's a love story, but I won't give it away in case people haven't seen it, But the ending is not what you would expect. It's sort of an ambiguous ending, and it has an ending that really wasn't the typical Hollywood ending at the time, without giving away the details of the ending. So the way it's written, the way it's paced, and the way it set the tone for more quotable lines than any other film in history, aside from the fact that it's got great performances, uh, the characters are very well developed. You've got Humphrey Bogart, Ingmar Bergman, Paul Henreid, Claude Rains, Uh, Conrad Veith there's so many great performances in the film that it's probably the first perfect film that Hollywood ever put out
0: amazing amazing and uh, I guess I lied to you a little bit I got one more bonus question and then we'll wrap up sure what's your advice on how fans out here can watch a film like a film critic you know like with more of a critical eye what are some things to look for
1: well, to become a critic, William, I've been a critic since 1984. And um, in the early days, I learned a lot. I made some mistakes in my writing. I made some mistakes here and there, like we all do. But if I could give someone advice about how to be a critic, look at a film and how it's structured. All good films are encompassed in three acts. You have to find out where the first act is, where the second act is, and where the third act is. Uh, You can go online, you can read about how a film is structured in three acts, and you talk about how the film is structured. Everything is structured in post-production. Principal photography, most directors will tell you, is relatively easy, especially if you're shooting a film in one room with a few actors. If you have a landscape shoot or a night shoot or something complex, it can be a little bit more difficult. But principal photography is basically... Nothing, if you know what you're doing. Everything comes together in post-production. And you have to look for the structure of of a film. Some films burn out in the first act. Some films burn out in the second act. Some films get a lot better in the third act. Just watch for how evenly paced a film is. And if you can write well, if you've got a good command of the English language, if you have grammar structure, if you have punctuation structure, and you don't repeat yourself too much, you can just write what you feel and do it with conviction. So look for the structure of a film, which is three acts, learn the English language, learn how to read and write well, and try not to repeat yourself. I know I just did it, but in this case, I'm doing it to make a point. <laughs> so that's, that's my advice for anybody <laughs> hoping to become a film critic. So.
0: All right, so how can fans uh, read your criticism online?
1: Well, I'll be honest with you, William, I really don't have anything at the moment set up online. Um, I'm not part of any online publications at the moment. Um, I'm sort of uh, semi-retired, you might say. I haven't done it for a few years. I still keep my hand uh, in film uh, every year. There's always a good handful of films every year worth owning, worth seeing more than once. Uh, But I'm semi-retired from the the art of uh, film critiquing, from writing and from doing a lot of stuff. I did it for a lot of years, and uh, right now in my personal life, um, I'm taking care of my father. My father is going to be 89 years old next month, and I've been a home caregiver for a lot of years. So I still keep my hand in it every year. I see what's going on. I write short blurbs here and there. I come on programs like this. Folks like yourself are kind enough to have me on, which I really appreciate, and I'll be happy to talk about what I know and what my opinions are. But I really don't have an active... Uh, page right now online
0: okay all right well Walter that's uh, I really appreciate this man I had a lot of fun today
1: uh, oh, likewise. always
0: a pleasure yes yes okay well you have a fantastic day
1: William thank you very much and enjoy the Oscar show and to all the people listening enjoy the show tomorrow night should be a good one take care
0: absolutely okay
1: bye 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 bye
0: all right, folks, uh, remember to do something for your career every day and break a leg. Good night. Looking for a show to see this weekend? Look no further than D.C. Metro Theater Arts. They've got reviews, Q&As with actors, and much, much more. Visit DCMetroTheaterArts.com. That's DCMetroTheaterArts.com. Under the dark you pacify me Hold my breath Take me down, I won't fight Beat of my heart, you drum inside me Somewhere my death Makes a sound no one can find out